How are you guys doing? Welcome over here to this sweet succulent channel we call Speak the Truth. Myself and my good buddy is here. He's actually going to be heading home for a couple days, so you guys will not see him for a couple days after Aww. this, but he'll be back after that, so calm Always. down. I know a lot of you guys get over overexcited when you guys see him go like we well, got in some big tissy fit and he decided to go back to Ukraine and fight against Russia. But what I'm telling you guys, we're here. We got a lot going on. German Chancellor and President Joe Biden have actually agreed on a call on May 5th that they would not acknowledge any Russian territorial gains inside of Ukraine. This is the thing we talked about yesterday. We mm -hmm. said that this is something that would not happen, and they come out and they said it. So Joe Biden's actually watching this podcast, if you guys did not know, and he's taking a little bit of my advice. So just going to throw that one out there. And the ironic thing, by the way, just so you, I don't know if you know this, there was actually a referendum that took place in certain areas of Ukraine where Ukrainians didn't, in fact, vote you don't say <laughs> so were they russian controlled areas they were yes yeah, so oh, imagine that kirsten uh, maybe yeah, kirsten. yeah. Uh, only separatists and russians were allowed to vote which it is then clearly is not valid and is not recognized because it is not realized by ukraine <laughs> you yeah. don't say yeah, you don't say i know it's, it's kind of crazy so i just thought i'd throw this one out there uh russia's trying to take over areas and have its people vote on things inside of areas that they control in a different country. So they're basically trying to make their own version of Transnistria in Ukraine. And not to mention that those people that probably did vote for them may or may not have been under some sort of influence or in brought order in to there. vote that way. Or actually brought into the area. We see them actually shipping area people into certain areas for this kind of a reason. Uh, by the way, Japan is actually starting to kick back on the nuclear reactors. If you guys didn't know this, is to, to reduce its dependence on Russian energy. Speaking about Russian energy, I actually just read something a second ago. Uh, Finland is actually reduced the amount of oil it's been taking in by 70% from Russia since February. And they're going to mm -hmm. be going, I believe, oh man. Uh, you comment the other it? day. I want to say somebody Norway. Was it Norway? Day. Somebody commented the other day that I, I want to say it was Finnish gas prices uh -huh. were over like $2 or two euros a liter, which over is insane. Two euros, two euros a, a liter? liter? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, that's, that's like way higher than $8. Highest, yeah. <laughs> that's right, way that, higher. That's, that's up there. That could be a reason why, I guess. Huh? Yep. But they're, they're doing it because they're going to be moving over, hopefully, here very soon to NATO. Uh, Britain has actually came out. Once again, I'm just going to throw this out there. We talked about this. Britain has came out and actually stated that they're going to give them security assurances like the United States did. We said that that was going to be a thing. That's nice. And now they did. So Britain's actually said it. And they said that if Russia does anything while they're doing it, which I don't... Do you, do you think they're going to? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. There's no, no need for that. But anyway, Japan is actually relying on Russian gas since shutting down the reactors after the Fukushima disaster back in 2011. They shifted over to Russian uh, gas. But since the whole thing's been going on, you know, in inside of Japan, the Kuril Islands, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've kept up with that thing. Well, I mean, like, truthfully, like nuclear power is some of the cleanest energy that we can produce yeah. as uh -huh. long as it's done correctly. The issue comes when it's built in stupid areas like, I don't know, where a tsunami may or may not take place <laughs> yeah. or, you okay. know what I mean, with like cheaply made Russian stuff like we saw happen in Chernobyl, Yeah, like all of these issues. So personally, I think nuclear energy is a good thing. I don't, I'm, not, a, I'm, not, I'm not against it. Yeah. You know, clearly, I mean, we have it here in America and I don't see any problem with it. But no, anyway. It takes over, you know, it takes like over 20 years with the permits and things like that through the United States government in order to open a new nuclear facility here in the United States. Did not know that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not fully submerged, excuse me, inside the nuclear stuff. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep, keep away from yeah, it. We'll anyway, just back out of that. A very large convoy, a Belarusian military has actually been spotted moving towards the Ukrainian border coming out of the town of Pinsk, which, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and show you uh, where that's at on the map here for a second. Do you, do you know where Pinsk is at? Have you been there? No comment. 
Some I'm not going to comment where these, I've been. One of these like, days, I will get you to actually comment on some of these things. The only thing I'll admit to is Lviv because everybody, yeah. So here is Pinsk. As you guys can see, it's actually going to be quite quite north of Lviv, but it's on the western side of the country. There's the border. You guys can kind of see that thick little line. There you go. Belarus, Ukraine. There it is right there. There's Pinsk. So that is what you're about to see right now when it comes to this video. So talking about videos, Russia State TV is actually back at it again with this time. They're talking about how Ukraine is the revival of the worldwide Nazi project. Yes, you guys heard me correctly. The worldwide Nazi project is happening right now, currently, apparently, inside of inside of Ukraine. I don't, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't even know how this could be a thing. Uh, they said it's only possible for survival because the United States and Britain... Okay, because they are giving them the, the ammunition, the supplies, and everything to actually fight against Russia. So that's the reason why the revival is happening. Can we just point one thing out real quick? The wow, United man. States is one of the biggest reasons why the world is not speaking German right now. Correct. Like currently. Correct. Like this is real. <laughs> anyway, if you want to enjoy this little segment from Russian State TV, here you go. Конкретные шаги мы наблюдаем сегодня по возрождению глобального нацистского проекта. А почему глобальный проект? Я сказала, глобальный нацистский проект. Потому что Украина это место, откуда начинается вот это возрождение. Но без поддержки Великобритании, стран Британского Содружества, Соединенных Штатов Америки, Евросоюза, не только против даже вот э, э, там, анти, как антисемитизм против русских, но против всего, что связано с Россией. Запад, он ведь э, использовал украинцев э, в течение многих десятилетий э, в качестве биомассы, из которой формировались вот эти вот орки, новые штурмовые отряды, которые сегодня в частности сидят и на No. I 100% have been on this site. Yes. Like 1 million percent. I've been on every it, single Russian site there is. And, and for those that no don't know what I'm talking about, Pravda English, if you just look it up, P-R-A-V-D-A, okay. yes. Pravda English. Go, go. You want to see some misinformation, go go over to Pravda. Or go to RT. Yeah. You can go there. That's RT, always an interesting yeah. one. But you're going to have to get on a VPN. 
Uh, well, thank God Atlas sponsors this channel, so you should have an Atlas VPN. Just go throw that one out there. There's also a possibility of another Russian ship that had actually been struck by an anti-ship missile in the Black Sea. Uh, this is not 100% confirmed as of just yet, but with the chatter and the sources speaking on it, it seems somewhat plausible. One thing that makes it plausible is the fact that there's multiple rescue ships and aircrafts inside of the area. This image you guys are currently seeing, uh, it shows, I mean, you can literally see the routes of some of these, these aircrafts. Um, you can also see stuff like the ship on fire from off the coast of Ukraine. But the thing is, it's so blurry and kind of, it could be taken from a video game. We've seen that in the past. I don't know. We're going to have to wait this one out, but they're saying right now that it is a possibility that it could have happened. It's already happened three other times. The ironic thing is that they're saying it happened off of Snake Island. Mm-hmm. What if that if that's the case? Oh, God. Yeah. I have been wrong in the past, and yesterday we were incorrect, and we stated that the United States was helping Ukraine target Russian generals. Okay, so Pentagon actually came out. John Kirby is the spokesman for the Pentagon. He's actually denied the claim, but did confirm the U.S. supplies Ukraine with military intelligence to help Ukraine defend their country. Right, and that's, I mean, that's not so much we lied about that. We actually said, is it plausible that the United States provided intelligence on the location of these people? We're like, yes, it's plausible. Yeah. Are they going to deny it? Of course they are. I but as a matter of fact, which Kirby I know you, now came out and said... Which we're going to talk about here in a second, but Kirby was actually right. stating that they are providing intelligence on locations of senior leaders on the battlefield, and they did not participate in targeting decisions by the Ukrainian military. Right. So they haven't given them the directive to actually target these things, but they may have given them some sort of intelligence, which I'm sure you you know a little bit about reporting on the ground. Right. They've of had, area. Th- yeah, and it's several unconfirmed sources that have came out, right? Like supposed top military sources that have came out and said, yes, we are helping them with battlefield intelligence, but we're not telling them to target the people. We're just telling them where they're at. Well, what do you think is going to happen? What? You know what I mean? Like, I by the way, here's a top military commander's location. Uh, you know, he could be there. He's just gonna I'm not telling you to kill the guy, but he's right here. He's just, you know, come on, man. Give me a freaking break. I do it too. It's kind of ironic about it at the same time is he's saying this. And we and we as the United States and NATO train Ukrainians. So it's kind of like, here. here's this reporting. Do with what you please. It might work out. It may not work out. He may be there. I don't know. And uh seems seems to... <laughs> seems to be the case right right <laughs> dude on that same intel side right we also had the uh what do you want to call it Un- uh, again unconfirmed source right yeah. because people want to keep their sources confidential uh, but a u.s un- confidential source said that the u.s not only provided the intel on those generals but also on the sinking of the russian flagship moskva, moskva. that's right moskva. a flagship in the black sea and that went down <laughs> on april 14th so the unnamed u.s official said the u.s confirmed the ship's location in ukraine however it was not involved in the decision to help attack so what that source is actually saying is right in line with what the Pentagon just put out yesterday. Yes, we're providing intelligence. No, we're not giving target packages, which I mean, how? I, I don't know. Have you, have you seen, by the way, the, you probably have not seen these. I don't know if you have or not. I've only seen them. I saw them this morning, but they're sending the families of the, the men that were on the ship, a paper that actually states uh, your son was, was killed in an, in a training accident was not in Ukraine, but he was the one that was... That's in- something that Russia's been doing for years. Like, even in the early, like, say, and when I'm talking, like, early, early stages, I'm talking, like, 2015, oh, okay. like, Russian forces, um, when they got killed inside of the LPR or DPR, regardless of the fact of their GPS ping locations on their phone when their bodies get sent back home, they were being told that they were they had been killed in training exercises. That's something that Russia's been doing for years. That's, that's nothing new at all. Okay, well, they're doing it again. With yeah, a ship surprise. That, <laughs> a ship right? that's sake. 
Oh man. And, yeah. And I'll talk about it in a minute, but I mean, they're, they're trying to control their numbers of like actual war deaths. Cause they're all about propaganda. Oh right? yeah. That's and right. And so if they're able yeah. to write things this, off this as train accidents, we were talking about all earlier. of a sudden they're not being killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, um, we, I know we've talked about the food quite a bit. Yeah. Or not maybe not quite a bit. We've touched on it before, so I dove into the food yeah. a little bit. So we finally have a number on the amount of food that has allegedly been stolen um, from the Ukrainians and confiscated by the Russians. So reports are now saying that the grain is mostly being taken under the threatened use of force by the Russians to send to collective farms. Current estimates of about 400,000 tons of grain have been seized. And to put that into perspective, that's about a third of the total grain reserves in the region have been seized along with various farm equipment. Because, of course, if you're going to steal the grain, why not steal farm equipment? So it's unclear what the Russians are intending to do with all the grain and the food seized, but I think I might have tied it to something else. Again, I could be wrong. So at the same time, the UN is pleading for the Black Sea ports in Ukraine to reopen after they've been blasted by Russian missiles and artillery. Obviously, you want the Black Sea ports so we can get exports going back out of the country. The corn and wheat prices have been booming booming ever since the war in Russia started. So with the amount of grain that Russia has seized coupled with the, you know, ports being wider or ports not being opened yeah. is obviously putting a huge strain on the international community. So Russia seizing all of those grain, which is probably going to be going to exports. Right. And at the same time, they put those harbors down. So while we have been doing our sanctions on Russia, it appears that Russia is also doing what it can from inside the country to control and put strain outside on top of the oil and gas and everything else that's going on. Which have been doing a pretty good job of it. I know they, they sold been. a lot of their corn for very cheap to China, ironically enough. Also the fuel. Right. They sold a ton to them. Man, it's almost like a it's almost like their their version of a sanction, essentially. It is, it is a I mean it's it's a messed up way of like is, a sanction, yeah. but it's causing a humanitarian issue. That's a problem. Hmm. Well, Amnesty International is reporting what it claims to be a document of war crimes in the Russian military in the town of Bordadayanka, 40 miles northwest of Kiev. On March 1st and 2nd, during the early days of the war, Amnesty International claims the Russian forces targeted apartment buildings in the town where no fixed Ukrainian military targets were nearby the buildings that were struck. However, reports show armed Ukrainian personnel firing on Russian vehicles that were passing through the area. If that's the case, the Russian soldiers can claim that they're acting in self-defense and had legitimate military targets. Yeah. So this is my issue with Amnesty International. They, they will put out reports of these things, right? Now, I think what, what the issue actually comes in with Amnesty International isn't so much that there was legitimate people firing at Russian forces. It was the excessive amount of force that the Russian forces used in retaliation to receiving small arms fire. They leveled the apartment buildings. Right. So there is like yeah, definitely a part of proportionality ways. when it comes to say what? I mean, that can go both ways. Cause I know when we were, when we were in Afghanistan, someone shot at us with an AK and they were military jail. We just hit them with much fire. Right. We light them up with small yeah. arms fire, but like, you know, of all countries, right. Of all countries, the U S within itself. And I'm not here to like spit propaganda. I'm just speaking from my personal experiences. The U S has done its best to maintain proportionality. I dropped four bombs on a legitimate military target one time, right? Because it still existed for whatever reason, the thing was still standing four or 500 pound bombs on one target. And we ended up stopping and that still made the blotter as to excessive amounts of force and things that we need to go. Now there was actual enemy in there. There was no civilians and it had legitimate fighting positions and everything else. So even with that four or 500 pound bombs, was oh, excessive, man, you just, according to our own experts. Well, we had that one. Matter of fact, I think you were just on maternity leave. I was in, uh, my God, Wood Valley. We dropped seven, and one of them didn't go off. Right. No, that was prior to me leaving. That was prior I to you leaving? Yeah. I think that was, was... That was the day my boys were born. Was it? Okay, so yeah, we dropped seven. One of them didn't go off, and the guy that, that was dropping them, that, that used his signature, he got his absolute 
rear end chewed out for that. I do remember that. I kind of remember that was a, what would they, they count that excessive use? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't excessive to me. It's not excessive. It well, wasn't excessive. It, like there's there's a limit, but it also depends on like what the targets are. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So we're gonna move over to a little bit of mapping. We actually have some casualty rates, which she's gonna talk about after I do my mapping portion. So I'm gonna tell you guys: uh, red is Russia, blue Ukraine. For a lot of you guys who don't know, blue triangle is gonna be heavily fortified areas by the Ukrainian forces. These little blue little dotted lines are gonna be your lighter areas, which you're gonna have your smaller elements of Ukrainians who are. Uh, I don't know. We're going to say platoon or larger size elements. The, the ones that are inside your heavily fortified areas, we're talking like battalion brigade, like very large, heavily fortified inside of trend systems and so on and so forth. All right. Black is going to be your logistical routes. And uh, that's pretty much that. So this is this is the overview of what's going on inside of this side of the country. Uh, Kharkiv inside of Kharkiv. So we're going to move over here. If you guys don't know where it's at, it's just right there. Russian forces have attempted to a uh, to conduct a counterattack after losing the town of Stari Seltiv yesterday, but were unsuccessful in the attempts. We do know, which I'm going to show you guys, it's right there. This is the area that was taken back by the Ukrainian forces yesterday. There is also an assaulting element that is known to be just north of it trying to push an attempt to take back more white space. Now, if you guys Notice by just looking at this map real quick, there's there's quite a bit of Ukrainian forces here, here, and here. Now, you also have Russian forces here. Now, I'm going to go ahead and clean this up for you guys. So, you guys can see these main routes that are coming out. Okay. There's one thing I could see being a possibility here, which I'm going to, I'm going to see if you do agree with me. So, if you're looking at this map, you have, you have Ukrainian forces on either side. I could see them trying to pit, push up, take these, take these main routes like this, and squeezing off the, the Russian forces that are down here inside of this area, mm-hmm. and perhaps doing the same thing that the Russians did down to the Ukrainians down in Mariupol, which I think that could be a thing. They're going after these main routes. They need them. The Ukrainians need them. The Russians need them. So I do believe that is something that they could possibly be doing as of right now, because I know there's a lot of assaulting elements inside of this area by the Ukrainian forces, and they have been fairly successful, because there's not a lot of Russians there uh, that are fully, I guess, what's, what's the word manned up. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way to put it. They're, they're not, they're, they're platoon size elements. They're squad size elements. I don't, I actually don't have squad size elements. Do they, they don't, I think they run from the way that, I think the way that their structure runs, you probably know better than I do, but they don't have the middle NCOs whatsoever. Correct. Like they, they exist, don't have, they don't, they don't have like the structure like we have, like there's no E5, E6, like E4 they're, range. They're not running, I mean? they're not running things like we are. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what do you guys think about is they have like upper and lower and there's nothing really in between. They, when, I mean, they, they do have like, they do have like sergeants and stars. But it's not like us. Like, correct? Yeah, it's not the same. Okay. Yeah. They're not treated the same. They're not treated the same. Anyway, Russians have also sent a large assaulting element down here at, uh, just south of Izium. So we're going to move south. I'm going to zoom out for you guys. So we were just up here. We're going to move a little bit south. So Dovenki right here, as you guys can see, there was a large assaulting element by the Russians that is pushing forward. Uh, I don't think they've made a lot of ground when it comes to actually maintaining um, anything. I think they've been actually repelled quite quite well by the Ukrainians inside of this area. They've also sent another one on the opposite side of the main route. to so the main MSR M03 that is coming into the northern side of Slovenas, this one right here. That one also has an assaulting element that's trying to push through right now, but it hasn't made up very much ground. So just north of Slovenas in the town of Oleksandrovica, this is the second one I know of. There's another one down there at Kyrgyzstan. But this same town, there is an assaulting element by the Russian forces who are pushing through trying to find uh, a gap to actually get down into uh, Slovenask as of right now. They've been unsuccessful as of right now, 
But there is one area that the Russians have been successful is just north of Severe Nadesk in the town of, how do you say it? That one. Oh. Smashed letters. Vozvodivka. That place. Vozvodivka. I believe my Ukrainian's a little off. Vozvodivka. Anyway, that area right now, they have secured a little bit of the northern part of this area. And it looks to be that they might be trying to if you guys look at the map, they might be trying to cut off the element inside of Rubazine from Severe Donetsk by pushing a Russian element down south through there, which could be kind of a big deal, but they still have to worry about this main route that comes out of the backside of Rubazine into Severe Donetsk itself. So that's pretty much your main areas. Uh, Popazna, uh, there is a, an, an element that they believe that this is going to be the area that they are trying to secure to gain a foothold to push through uh, to push their way all to Slovene ask. So that's pretty much pretty much that. So there you go. There's the mapping for today. There's actually not quite quite a bit of uh, movement going on from either part, Russia or Ukraine. So right. there you go. Now you want to talk about what's going on when it comes to overall totals. Um, that's a tough one, man, because you, I mean, you have the fog. Of, you got so many things. You got the fog of war and then you got propagandist countries that are pushing out things to like yeah. make it seem what it is. So it's really hard for anybody for that matter to pull legit numbers with all the reports of fighting what's the overall toll from the countries of ukraine and russia it's a very good question you know what i mean like what is the actual overall toll of this war and depending on the report that you read or the country that the report is kicked out of those numbers vary drastically that's why i've actually stopped talking about them yeah of course man so according to the mayor in Mariupol, right according yeah. to the mayor in Mariupol, ten thousand civilians have been killed in Mariupol mm -hmm. since the start of the war the un however and again, the UN's only been there on a limited basis, but the UN is reporting 2,729 civilians killed across Ukraine so far. Now, the UN, for obvious reasons, can only claim, you know, and like what they've been capable of documenting, right? And so those numbers that the UN's reporting are going to be vastly greater because the UN's obviously not able to see every civilian death that takes place in order to claim and document it. But the British Defense Secretary, George Wallace, stated that the Russians have lost over 15,000 soldiers during the conflict. 15,000. 15,000. I think the number I've seen from coming out of the Kiev Independent is like 23,000 and change now. Mm -hmm. Do you have that on here? I have no idea. No, I didn't pull the I think, Kiev I think Independence it, number because, again... It, it's so skewed. I think that's more propaganda they're, than They're going to be been. skewed. Yeah. Exactly. So... I don't want to say propaganda. So, so you have the Kiev Independent, you said, reporting somewhere over 20,000? I, I, 20, I think it was like 23,000. I haven't seen it. Right. So right Zelensky just stated the other day that Ukraine's only lost about 3,000 Ukrainian soldiers. That one's tough for me to believe. Right. And so a lot of these numbers are tough to believe that come out of these yeah. countries for a lot of different reasons, mainly propaganda, right? The, the biggest reason is propaganda. Each side makes them want to seem as if they're winning through a war of attrition, right? Like who's killing more people? People look at numbers and people think numbers are good. And if they're doing really good, then they're going to get the support of the people. Right. This conflict is very, very much propaganda, just as much as it is a kinetic engagement. Russia needs the support of its people and it needs the people of Russia to feel like they're on the right side of history and that they're winning the war. That's no, where all yeah, this you're right. That's, yeah, you're right. That's where all this Nazi propaganda crap is coming out. God, and it's changed else. so much though. Right. Like we're talking like this. If you talk about propaganda is changing over the last seven days alone. Last seven days, it's one from denazification inside of the country to Zelensky has um, Hitler or excuse me, Hitler had Jewish blood in it, and mm -hmm. he's and Zelensky's the same as Hitler, right? And he was saying that you know what, Hitler had just some Jewish blood in yeah, him. It's like, so it's just and now they've had to backtrack a little they bit. Did. And now they backtracked the statement, that, but it wasn't Putin that said that statement. It was no. uh, Sir, Sergey Lavrov, right? Lavrov, yep. So I mean, like. It's just a bunch of propaganda that they're pushing. So it makes it really hard for anybody from the outside, I mean, to actually report accurately how many people have been killed within that country, whether they're Russian, Ukrainian, or civilians. 
on both sides. And the civilian numbers get even skewed even more. I mean, hell, dude, we even saw that in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm not saying Ukraine is completely and totally innocent in this either. Right? No. Like when, no. Yeah, right. No. And so, like, we saw the Taliban, Al-Qaeda using human shields or putting themselves 100%. in positions to where, like, yeah. that happened. It's very, I, whether or not they meant to do it on purpose or whether or not civilians think that way when they pick up guns and they go to fight the Russian military, and just like we were talking before, and they become those legit military targets. So not every single number that has been reported is probably a legitimate military kill or probably not a legitimate military kill. Like there's no, no way of actually knowing there, there, he's got a point. So when we were like, say in Afghanistan, we were in Afghanistan together. There was a lot of times where we'd get in a, a tick or we would receive contact or whatever. And I would, I would literally look down. I, I can remember multiple times when we were actually receiving, um, Mortar rounds. I remember that time I blew up and my hand had blood all over. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay. and like they they they, they specifically put the civilians in, in between, between us, us and them. Yeah, and they told them not to move or they were going to kill them. Yes, and we yes I distinctly I remember that. I remember that day. Yeah, because I remember I was shooting because I had my guy next to me. Well, he's a guy. Wait, one of my guys, I guess, shooting his two forty, and I had a forty eight. And he said, I I distinctly remember there was a I don't want what do they call them um nomads nomads right out in front of us in one of their little tent things mm -hmm. and they had to stay there the entire time yeah, they were only like six or seven hundred meters out yeah, yeah. okay and, and everything same. was going right over the head it's the same yeah it's the same stuff man man yep bringing back memories anyway yeah well either way they need the support of the people in the lpr dpr like both sides need it like the russians need it and the ukrainians need it at the end of the day and the sad thing is that like those civilians are the ones that are like stuck in the middle of everything beat to hell yeah. throughout this entire thing. And they're going to be the ones left to, to rebuild, not to mention all of the displaced people, the amount of infrastructure, the international community within itself after this conflict is over is going to really you, have to step up and help. You want to talk about rebuilding. I've, I brought this up multiple times. Look at Mariupol of all the places. Look at Mariupol. That place mm -hmm. is absolutely leveled. Yep. And I would assume I can't, I can find images. If you want to see what Mariupol looks like, you literally, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane on what it actually looks like right now. Who is going to rebuild areas like that? That's the, that's the real it's, question. I mean, it's, it, going it's, to be, it's going to be Ukraine that's going to be rebuilding it, and the money is going to probably come, come from, from the international community. That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of exactly. it's going to come from the American taxpayer. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. That's only if that's a, that, that goes back to they're going to have to retake it to be able to rebuild it. Correct. Now, this, this is probably a, a conversation for a different episode, which we probably should do. We should probably do this next week. We should probably... Go back and rethink while you're gone with your family. When you have some off time, you know what you need to do for all of us sitting at home? You need to think how the Ukrainian military can actually go back and retake all the areas that are currently controlled. No, that's not hard. That's so not hard. That, I think. That, it's, that, it's whether or not they're able to do it. I, that, that, that's my next question. Are they going to be able to go through and take back Kyrgyzstan, take back Malatopol, take back Berdyansk, and then go all the way through down to Mariupol? That, I mean, can that's they? A, yeah. Can they? Can do they, they? Do yeah. they have the actual... Can they? Yeah. But the moment they start doing that, the moment they start doing so that, gonna shift. Russia is going to amp up its troop numbers. Which they're going to... That, that's my other question. So if right. we go to May so 9th, what if, what if he says, declares the war, now they can actually bring in all the troop numbers that they have on paper? Like that's the fine. Ones. They can attempt to bring them in. The thing is that... I mean, do you want me to save this? Yes. And we'll save it. 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 Right. <laughs> we'll save it. I was, we're about to go on a super long rant there. I can already tell. I he mean, had I the could, sparkle could, in his like eye. My, my head just <laughs> popped off with all sorts of like yeah, no, strategy that. that needs to take place no, in order for Ukraine to do that. Because they can. The advantage that Ukraine... I'll, I'll leave it on this. The advantage that Ukraine has is all of its troops are where they need to be and Russia needs to move troops into the area. So if Ukraine's able to control that troop movement and they're like, just like we saw that bridge being blown up the other yeah. day and they plan things out strategically over time to where they do precise hits, they're going to be successful. 
But yeah, we'll save that for another time, man. Well, you know, we'll, we will address that next week. We need to address it. We'll address week. that next week. Well, at the end of the day, one thing's for sure. Like after the war's over, after the last shot's fired, the civilians are going to be the ones that are left picking up this garbage. Like they are trying to put their lives back together. Ukraine suffered so much during World War II. You know, like as we come, right, everybody's talked about this Russian holiday, right, of like it was essentially VE Day. Yeah. Right. It's essentially VE exactly. Day. Okay. And it they're going to have this big celebration. What is not talked about very much is the like the battleground during World War II in Ukraine had such a drastic, huge toll on those people. There were villages that were left with nothing but women because all of the men had been killed, right? And, and, and Ukraine has historically been just beaten on over the years. So even when this is done, like when this conflict is over, the Ukrainian people are going to have to rebuild yet again. But they will have the help of Western countries, it no will. doubt. And, and depending on how it goes down, Russia may end up providing a lot of the funding that goes into it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? Yep. Oh, that'd be ironic. Well, I, I hope you guys did enjoy this episode over here. I will uh, I will see you guys tomorrow. He'll be back here in a couple days after he's done doing some stuff with his family up in his, I don't want to call it home state because I don't think that's your home state anymore. I'm a nomad. I don't know what he is right now. I'm a now. nomad. But yeah, he, people ask me where I'm from. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where. I don't, I've known him for. United. I don't know how United long I've Airlines. known him for. 10 years. Yep. I don't know, probably more than that. I've known you for 15 years. Yep. My God. Anyway, hope you guys do have a good day over here. I do love you guys. We are out.